Hi, my name is Natalie Nowak, and you're listening to On My Way to a BFA. This podcast chronicles my experiences as I go through the process of getting my BFA in musical theater at the Hart School. My first semester of junior year just ended yesterday, and this has definitely been one of my favorite semesters so far. I feel like the things that I learned in my classes from freshman and sophomore year are starting to come full circle and really click now that we're diving deeper into all aspects of performing. I haven't done an update podcast in a while, so I thought it would be fun to release a short episode where I answer questions from some of my listeners. I received some really great questions on Twitter and Instagram that have to do with school, with life, and more. I'm going to start with the Twitter questions, and the first one is from Colleen at Colleen Roth underscore. Her question is, what is the most valuable lesson you have learned in your BFA program, both about musical theater and about life? I'm going to start with what I've learned from doing musical theater. I was having a conversation about this actually the other day with my vocal coach, Phil. We were talking about why we do what we do as performers, and what it really comes down to is that we perform to bring joy to others. I think that it's often easy to get swept up in the quote-unquote selfish aspects of performing and thinking that it's about showing off how many pirouettes you can do or how high you can belt. But if the focus is on bringing joy to others, then musical theater truly becomes a conversation and more of a give and take where the audience is giving you support and energy and you're giving them your heart and soul and hopefully they feel joy or are impacted in a deeper way. Shoshana Bean talks about this a lot too and how if before you perform you ask yourself what can I give then the pressure is taken off of you and your only focus is on helping and healing others. So that is probably the most valuable lesson I've learned as far as musical theater goes. Now for life lessons, during my time at college, I have learned that staying in my own lane and never compromising who I am for other people will eventually pay off as opposed to changing who I am to fit in with everyone else. So for example, if everyone is going to a party that I really don't want to go to because parties just aren't my thing, then I'm not going to ignore my inner voice that's telling me to stay home. I might feel a little bit left out, the next day when everyone's talking about it, but I would feel way worse had I not listened to my gut and stayed home to work on other things that matter more to me. And I found that even though this road is often the lonely road, if you stick it out, you will eventually find other people who are like-minded. The next question is from Vanessa at Blanchett underscore love. She asked, what was the most difficult part about leaving home and moving on to college life? College was a huge transition for me because I have always loved being home, and even when I was younger, I never went to sleepaway camp or anything like that. So honestly, the hardest part about moving on to college life was the fact that I wasn't home. At first, it was really difficult because I had to adjust to a new lifestyle freshman year when I lived in a dorm, and it definitely took some time for that to become comfortable, but I think it's important when you go to college to make your living space comfortable and a place where you feel safe and you actually want to spend time there. Because for me, since being home is where I feel the most comfortable, I took a lot of time to make my dorm feel like home. So keep that in mind if you're going to college and you haven't been away from home before, make it feel like home and hopefully that will help. Now let's move on to Instagram questions. This one is from Jordan at jreese98. He asked, how do you stay so focused doing schoolwork without your brain frying? 
The best way that I have found to stay focused while doing schoolwork is to schedule it in sections. So for example, if I have a test next week for my history of musical theater class, then I will look at my notes and see how many pages there are and break it up into which sections I want to study each day leading up to the test. And I usually end up studying about two or three pages of notes each day so that I know that Every day isn't going to be too overwhelming when I sit down to study. And then when it's time for the test, I'll know all of the information and not have to cram at the last minute. And I know that can be hard because a lot of people do just wait till the last minute, which is totally fine. But trust me, you will be so much less stressed out. Well, I guess I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. But I am so much less stressed out when I break it up instead of leaving it to the last minute. As far as doing other schoolwork, such as memorization for scenes or songs, I will set a goal for how many times I want to rehearse each scene or song per day, because repetition is key with memorization, and also usually scenes and songs aren't super long, so if you say I want to practice it 10 times today, then you know, just, it's not that hard to take five minutes here or there to do it. And it also, if you're really sitting down to work on homework, studies show that working in 25-minute sections of time is the most efficient way for your brain to absorb information. So whether you're working on memorization or just normal homework, try setting a timer for 25 minutes and then take a five-minute break in between each study chunk. The next question is from Allie at underscore Allie underscore Gray. She wants to know the most common advice I've gotten from my guests about life after college. I have had the good fortune to interview so many amazing people, and I've learned so much from them. One thing that I've heard quite a bit from my guests is that, as cheesy as this sounds, I promise you it's true, they say that you will end up where you're supposed to end up. So there's all this talk about the top musical theater programs, and I feel like there's a new article published every month where the top 10 is different. You know, it's whether Carnegie Mellon is better than Michigan or NYU and whatnot, but something that sticks out to me from my interviews is that no matter which school you go to, you will end up with the same general group of people in New York after college. So whether you go to Hart or the Boston Conservatory or CCM or wherever, when you move to New York, you will more likely than not bump into the same people in auditions and shows no matter which school you went to and when it comes down to it you can argue with me all you want on this but i have done my research and the training is quite similar among many schools and the differences lie in the order of when you learn the skills and how the professors teach them so i think that it's important to keep this in mind when you leave college and know that wherever you went to school you will be just as capable as everyone else if you work hard and prioritize your health and well-being. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. And also, audition for everything. Even if you don't think that you fit the role, you've probably heard this from a lot of people, but it's very true. You could walk in there and change their mind. You never know. So audition for everything. Okay, now moving on to another question from Instagram. This is from Natalie at Natalie P. Livingston. Her question is, how do you tell people that drain your battery no to spending time with them? So full disclosure, this question was submitted by one of my best friends, Natalie Livingston. Thank you for the question, Nat. Not only do we have the same first name, but we are also very similar people in life. So we actually talk about this topic quite a bit, and I thought it would be very important to discuss in this episode. So basically, there are two types of people, those who drain your battery and those who charge it. And for me, the people who drain my battery tend to have a negative energy or enjoy complaining and gossiping. 
Personally, these types of conversations wear me out and I leave the conversation feeling kind of icky. And I think that being in college and studying musical theater with a group of people where everyone knows pretty much everything about everyone else, it can be difficult to escape gossip or negativity. So going back to the question, which is how to say no to spending time with people who drain your battery, instead of making up a reason why you can't go or why, oh, I'd love to hang out with you except this. No, don't say that because you don't you don't actually want to hang out with them. So it's, it's better to spin it into a positive and say, oh, today I was actually really looking forward to going to take a soul cycle class or watching a 27 minute compilation of the end of defying gravity and deciding which alphabet is my favorite. Whatever it may be, just tell them in a nice way, hey, thanks for the invite. However, today I'm doing this. And then that answer is truthful. And it's also important to know the people who drain your battery and know that you don't have to say yes as hard as it can be to say no because you're worried about what they'll think or that you'll hurt their feelings. It's just like I talked about earlier, staying in your own lane, meaning that you know what fulfills you and if that person or what they want to do that day does not fulfill you, then it's really not worth it to spend your time doing that. So put yourself first, find out what makes you happy, and do that instead. Those were all of the questions. This was super fun. I really enjoyed answering these. So if you have any more questions, feel free to tweet me or send me a DM on Instagram. Both of those are at Natalie underscore Noack. That's N-O-A-C-K. And I will save them for a future Q&A. Also, make sure to follow at Broadway Radio on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and tweet me with any feedback. Thanks for listening. 